Hey, I'm not surprised, motherfuckers. <laughs> What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to the Course I Sign Off Podcast once again. I'm Josh Evanoff. As always, welcome by the one and only man of the hour, too sweet to be sour. It is Angel Ortega. A lot of stuff to talk about this week. Obviously, it is UFC 280 Fight Week. We finally made it. We're getting it all out. we got to go ahead and talk about UFC Vegas 62. We'll also be talking about some boxing as well as some MMA news. Before we get into all that, we'll talk to you guys about Rogue Energy. If you want 10% off your order at RogueEnergy.com, use the code SOUNDOFF at checkout. It's code SOUNDOFF at checkout for 10% of all your energy needs. Incredible sponsor of the show. Always great to us. And uh, make some really, really good drinks, too. So go ahead and go to RogueEnergy.com. Get 10% off with code SOUNDOFF. Last Saturday night, UC Vegas 62 going down to UC Apex in Las Vegas, Nevada. Women's flyweights in the main event. We need to kind of go into this one. Alexa Grasso's strengths, the boxing, the combination work. She's kind of finding her place in this kind of weird women's flyweight division. In the end, she ends up picking up a unanimous decision win over Vivian, Vivian Adrero. 50-45, 49-46, 49-46 on the cards. Uh, ultimately, I thought the fight was a little bit closer than the judges suggested, but um, look, man, she ended up getting a, a great win. Afterwards, she gets on the mic. And instead of calling for a title fight, which I think most people assumed, she's deciding to forego a possible title fight in favor of another main event. She says she wants to get more five-round experience. Uh, first of all, man, what do you think about her performance, her getting the victory, and also her decision to kind of forego a possible title shot in favor of ultimately getting another main event and getting more experience? I mean, it was a good performance. Obviously, nothing, no, no crazy finish. I think she obviously wanted, you know, every fighter goes out there with the intention of wanting to finish the fight. But I think as far as her not deciding to take the title shot, I think that might come with the fact that this weekend there's a fight that could potentially have the next title challenger in Kayla Shigan and Manifero. And uh, maybe she thinks there's a possibility that she might not get the t- next title shot, so she's hoping to – she's kind of just thinking, ah, I'm going to try to get another fight in and get maybe five-round more experience because she wants to clean something up or she saw something that she could do better or who knows, right? Everybody has the reasons for just saying do what they want to do in their life, but I mean, she's going to fight again no matter what, so yeah, it, it's like it was going to be for the title or not, she was going to fight, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look, man, and, and the thing is, is, I honestly think it's kind of rare to see fighters forego an, an immediate title shot. I mean, obviously, nothing's guaranteed, but with Talia Santos being out of action, and she's really the only other person it possibly could be. I mean, it's going to be interesting to see what happens next with Valentina Shevchenko. Um, honestly, because I thought Grasso, and granted, we've seen in the past in this division specifically, fighters be like, oh, you know, I want to get one more fight before fighting Valentina, and some people are taking the slow rise. Who do you think might actually be, just to kind of move on from this, who do you think you might actually be next for Valentina Shevchenko? Just by virtue of the fact that we figure that if Grasso won here, she'd get the title shot. She says she doesn't want it. Talia Santos is out due to injury. Caitlin Shukagian is fighting men in Faroe. Lauren Murphy's coming off a win. Go ahead and book the women's flyweight division. At least that top five for me, if you can. Ah, oh, man. Look, that, that, you're, you're, that's a tall task right there, my man. So you want me to book uh, who's going to fight who? 
Yeah, I mean, just if you can, because in my head, I already, I already kind of got it figured out. But oh, I, well, well, fuck me, Go right? Ahead. You know, you got yeah, it. Yeah, I, fuck I, you, Angel. You got this. Well, look, actually, this? Alexa Grasso fights <laughs> the winner, potentially the winner of this of this weekend's you know uh, uh, fight at flyweight. Between Kayla Shigate and Faro, potentially for a number number one contender spot, even though Kayla Shigate is number one, maybe not. But if Manny, uh, and then if Manny Faro wins, I think she could potentially fight Valentina next at some point next year. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. That Laura, makes- and then and then I think isn't Laura Murphy booked? Didn't Larry Murphy get uh, booked to fight? I thought she was. Oh, uh, to- I don't think so. I know she called for a fight with somebody recently. But I don't know who. I'm double checking real quick, Chris, because I could have sworn maybe she had. I could have seen that she was booked. No, she's not. Was it Jessica Andrade who I booked for? She called the. Yeah, she asked to fight Andrade. That's who it was. Which, by the way, the balls on on calling for a fight with Andrade is pretty crazy. But you know, props to her. But yeah, I mean, look, man, I think this women's fight division is kind of a weird place. Personally, for me, I'd go ahead and do the winner of Menifero versus Caitlin Shikagi in a fight. Shevchenko, go ahead and book Lauren Murphy versus Alexa Grasso for the next title shot and wait for Talia Santos to get healthy. And when she gets healthy, she can fight somebody like Jennifer Maya, maybe. I think that's the, the best thing to do. Who does Jessica fight? Jessica, well, because Jessica Andrade is fighting in Strawway right now. She's just still ranked in women's fight. She was in a five men, though. Oh, was she? She was in the oh, fight that's right, because it went Shukagian, Andrade, back to Shukagian. Sir. Shit, I don't know that. Maybe Manon loses, she if fights Jessica next? That could work, or we can just go ahead and do Talia Santos versus Andrade whenever they both get healthy. That too. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, there's there's lots of possibilities here. But yeah, overall, solid win by Alexa Grasso. Uh, her moving up the division rankings. And, uh, dude, kind of moving down to the co-main event. Oh, man, Jonathan Martinez, man. I think going into this one, we knew that he was a good kid. He was a solid prospect, 28 years young. He was riding a solid win streak. But we've seen him struggle at times, especially when he steps up to the, the higher level. Um, lost to Andre Ewell, lost to Davey Grant. Dude, Cub Swanson, he beat the shit out of Cub Swanson. I have never in all of my years watching MMA watch Cub Swanson get as thoroughly just dismantled as right. what Jonathan Martinez did to him last Saturday. Give me your thoughts on on why that fight went the way that it did and ultimately his uh, overall performance. I mean for one, no joke, man. It was it was a it was a performance that Edson Barbosa himself commented on and was proud of. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Let's put it out there. Uh the leg kicks man brutal I mean it was hard to see that, man. I, I rarely say, damn, that's hard to see here. That was a rough one. But seeing someone get finished with a leg kick the way he did, because he, I mean, he literally fell over and crumbled. You know what I mean? Like, he didn't go down. He didn't just drop down. Like, he literally turned his side. Like, someone had kicked him in the balls. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's, just, that's the way I, that's, that's one of the best ways I can describe it. I mean, just to go to show how I feel, I mean, there was no, he wasn't even thinking to defend himself when he went down. It was just immediate shock of like, oh, fuck. My leg is battered, mm-hmm. and uh, I mean, I, I mean, it's, it, I think it's it's very simple to put, man. He's just he has miles on him. He has miles on him. He's fighting a young kid. It's his time, and his time was a while ago. And this kid is fast. He's quick. He has good leg kicks. He's strong. He's healthy. He has cardio. I mean, comes a good guy, but it's just 
I think simply it's it's time has caught up to him, and it happens to everybody. And he decided to go down a weight class where speed's a big factor. Mm-hmm. And the kid was quick, and it was moving quick, and was looking good. It almost got him out of there in that in that first round. If it wasn't for time, had a herb, it was a Herb Dean who was the ref. I think so. I could be wrong. Well, whoever the ref was, giving him all the opportunity to you know get back into action, that would have ended right there. Mm-hmm. And it didn't. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, man, he just beat him from pillar to post. Those leg kicks were just devastating. And a guy like Cub, man, I don't think we've ever, like I said, not to repeat myself, but we, I don't think we've ever seen him get, honestly, his ass kicked as brutally as he did here. That was just, he was ruthless, honestly. He was ruthless. Um, and Jonathan Martinez has been a huge win for him. But to kind of move on to Cub real quickly, what do you think is next for him? 38 years old. He, you kind of feel like this is one of those old fighter desperation moves where they kind of change weight classes near the end, seeing if they can maximize their potential for one more title run. What do you think about him ultimately dropping down and getting just absolutely battered? So what do you think about is next for Cubs Watson? Is it back up to 145, continue at 135, maybe take old veteran fights? What do you think? I mean, he can't be fighting young guys, man. I mean, we just saw that. It's, it's just there's no reason for him, for, for him to do it. Mm-hmm. He needs to fight, you know, either fi- find, not going to say less come, people who are competitive for him right now mm-hmm. is the kind of people he should be fighting because, I mean, he didn't do that that night. That kid had something on him that he was just not going to be able to get through, mm-hmm. and he's just older. He needs to fight older guys or guys who just uh, need some pushing and he can help develop that and make it fun. But it, the, the the time of titles and, 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 and chasing title shots is – and it's going to sound bad. And, 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 you know, I'm not a fighter, right? I never – you know, I've never fought. I'm not – I can't tell him to quit. But it's like – it's clear that th- those opportunities are not going to happen anymore. Mm-hmm. They did at one point. At one point, Cub Swanson, yes, he was capable – of getting a championship fighting and fighting for a title and, and being champion. That's not going to happen now. And that's just a reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. And that is a tough thing for certain fighters to kind of come to terms with. And I think Cub, this recent winning streak, because there was a moment there where he kind of struggled, but I think this current winning streak where he won three or four and the one fight was just him getting caught super early by Giga with just a liver shot. You know, it, it happens, but I mean, I, yeah, I think it's probably time for him to kind of come to terms with not the fact that he's a bad fighter, because I think Cub's still a very good fighter at this age, but... No, go, go, Cub could kick some fucking ass. That's what I'm Cub, telling you, man. Like, exactly. there's, there's, there's matchups yeah. that he could totally fucking... But I think he should probably move on to the Jim Miller sort of route, where he fights younger guys who may or may not be great down the line, or he should probably go ahead and fight guys who are older veterans such as himself. I mean, th- there are fights for Cubs Swanson, no doubt about it. But I think him to ultimately going down in weight was just such a I, – I disagreed with that at the time. And I disagree with it more now, obviously, after seeing what happened. But, um, yeah, there's still a lot of fights for him, um, especially if he wants to experiment at 145, experiment at 135, even 155. Anything could be fun for him, so – um, yeah, man, we'll, we'll see what happens ultimately with, with Cub Swanson next. But as far as the rest of the card goes, man, what'd you think? Uh, there were some, some good fights, some brutal knockouts. What do you think about UC Vegas 62 on the whole? 
I mean, this this had everything, man. I mean, talk about a mixture and then uh, just a variety of ways fight went. I mean, this this was a deep card as far as some of the outcomes. I mean, we could just go one down. Dusko versus Jordan Wright. Jordan Wright gave a hell of a first round. Dusko came out of the second and had first round didn't happen. And he came back and got a sick finish over Jordan Wright. Uh, I mean, kind of in Jordan Wright's paper, right? I mean, he, he's a one round fighter, right? That first round, he's there and. He's a savage yeah. in that first round. You know? a, I, let me tell you, man. Georgia Ryder in round one is the most dangerous human being on planet Earth. <laughs> Could he get Dusko out of there? Dusko's one tough son of a bitch, though, man. I got to give him credit. He did not fold under pressure. He uh, came back, and he did what he had to do. Yeah, absolutely, dude. I mean, he went ahead and did what he had to do. That was the fight of the night, I believe. Yeah, they both, they each got 50K bonuses. Like I well said, deserved. Yeah, for sure. I think I said it last week, but, like, Jordan Wright... He's the ultimate killer be killed fighter. Literally, <laughs> yes. literally, seventeen fights, zero decisions. So, I hope he stays in the UFC. I really do. I really do. I, I think it'd be a damn shame if he ultimately got cut because, like, look, yeah, he he's lost to guys that are not like they're not top fifteen guys. But also, Dusko is not a bad guy. Mark Andre Burial, Bruno Silva, Joaquin Buckley. I mean, he's it's not lost to scrubs either. So. And he fought Gregory Rodriguez too, right? Uh, I think so. Or a different Maybe. Brazilian. Different Brazilian. Different Brazilian. All right, yeah, but look, dude, Beverly Hills Ninja is the most entertaining guy in the UFC in the moment, so I, I, I hope they keep him around. But, yeah, man, that was the fight of the night. Solid fight. Go, go one down, Josh. Go go one down. Damn Come right, on. dude. We're going one down because Hoffman. This was a surprise of the night for me. Out. Yeah, 40 years old. And at bantamweight, that's a death sentence. Especially considering he lost three of his last four. Not late, three of his last four, excuse me. Four in a row with three of his last four all coming by finish. Dude, he's fighting Victor Henry. He's a young savage, and he just tunes him up. Tunes him up. Vintage sun's out. Wins by decision. Give me your thoughts, man. I'm, I mean, he talk about turning back the clock. Like, you know how people say that? This was the definition of turning back the clock. I mean, he looked good. He was smart. Victor Henry did not look comfortable at all in this fight, even with a, even with you know uh, Barnett in his corner, telling him what to do. The adjustments couldn't be done. It was too late. I got to give credit to Victor though. At the end, he, uh, he knew what he had to do to go out there, and he tried to do it, but it, it was just too hard to get him out of there. And he seemed so uncomfortable because every time he went in, he got hit or he got moved or something. He was, just wasn't there. Where in the last fight, where he would he would get to his opponent, he was always there. He didn't he didn't do angles, didn't do any crazy angle switches on him or anything. With the Sunset man, the Sunset was was moving left and right, was keeping the head off the center line. He was doing it right, man. Forty years old, impressive, and he was causing damage to Victor Henry. Mm-hmm. Dude, it was it was it was so great to see, man. It really was. For me, I mean, I mean Josh, I, I wrote I wrote a uh, Sunset. I mean, I knew he was a tough fight, but. It, the way it was looking leading up to it, it looked like Victor Henry was going to get set up. He was about to get a ranked opponent after this. And... I thought, I dude, I got to admit it. I wrote him off. I really did. I wrote him off. And, and I love me some Rafael Sons. I've said for so long, he's the most underrated guy in the UFC. Full fucking stop, dude. Like, he is that guy. For a long time, he was anyway. You know? And, uh... I got to admit, after that loss, his last one, I remember thinking, like, yep, he had a good run. He's 40. It's done. Because up until then, I had faith. But, uh, yeah, man, this was just such a great performance. And it, it was 
it made me so happy. That's the way I'd put it. It mm-hmm. made me happy, Angel. Just I mean, it, it makes sense, that. though, for this division, Josh. I mean, across all MMA rosters, 135 has some of the most dangerous guys. I mean, we're talking, you know, Bellator, PFL, 1. I mean, it is the 135 division across the world. For some reason, these guys are so fucking good. There's so many good guys on 135. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. But these guys, this size, this height, this weight, for some reason, are all fucking killers, dude. Goddamn right they are. You're goddamn right, Angel. Yeah, man, this is just such a such an awesome win. It was, it was, in my opinion, the moment of the night. That's not to take a shot at anybody else on the card, but that was just to face a guy that was so much. By the way, the fact that he did not get performance of the night was fucking insane. <laughs> Can we go? He really, he, re- he really should have. You're not wrong. I mean, for for how everything was going for him, the kind of performance he had in the age. I mean, there's a lot that goes into it. I mean. No love right there, but I mean, I get it, but when you look into it, it probably should have been him. Absolutely. Absolutely, dude. It absolutely should have been him, but um, anyways, man, moving on down the card, Alonzo Metafield murking Misha Serkinov. I think it's probably about time for Misha to hang it up, and uh, that's a, it sucks to say, but uh, I think it's probably about time, man. He is... By the way, did that finish remind you of anything? Huh? Did that finish remind you of another finish you've seen? Ngannou. Yes, on JDS. Ngannou, yeah, Ngannou JDS. Yeah, that was one. Um, that was uh, that flashed right in front of my head, dude, when that owl went down. Yeah, and dude, I feel like it's probably about time for Misha hanging up, man. I mean, 35 years old, but he's an old 35. 24 fights, got knocked out in five of them, got finished by other means, the three of them. I mean, getting finished in 30% of your MMA fights, losing by the way of finish, is rough, man. Um, See, I think we should probably move on, or at least take lower levels of competition, because uh, that was a rough fight there, man. But uh, moving on down to the prelims, Jacob Malkoon defeating Nick Maximov. Uh, not a lot to say about this one, outside of the fact that Nick Maximov, man, he came with these with a fair bit of hype, but he's lost two in a row. But even in loss, in a loss, I I don't know what he fucked up, but this kid fought through some pain, man. Do we it, was know his, what he it was in his leg. It had to have been in his knee or something. Yeah, it was, but we don't know. We don't know for sure what happened yet. By the way, you remember how we were talking earlier about a, a Thiago fighting with, uh, you know, everything obliterated in his knees and toughing it out? Yeah. This is, what, this is what I was referring to. I couldn't remember what it was about, like, someone brought up, like, who would let their fighter fight? I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> and that's when I brought up Thiago Santos. Yeah, there you go. Um, He's going through it, man, so. Anyways, man, yeah, just, just a rough matchup for him and ultimately – Hurting himself definitely didn't help things uh, anyway. So the rest of the card, man, I mean, Joe Anderson Brito got a nice win. Um, Taru Sotara defeating CJ Vergara by second round on bar. Solid performance by him. And ultimately, friend of the show, Mike Jackson. This one, this one's, this one was hard, man. This was uh, hard to watch, man. This is one of the most devastating knockouts all year. Let's go ahead and call for what it is. Well, it's not even just that. It's like, you know, you listen to podcasts with other fighters and they talk about like, damn, man, that was hard to watch. You know, I know him. He's my friend. You know, we train together, you know, yada, yada, yada. I can for once almost relate to that because we talked to Mike Jackson. He's a cool ass fucking guy. Yeah, I've interviewed Mike five times now or something, something crazy. Yeah. And it just... It hurt to see him like that because it felt like I saw him. You know, Mike. I'm not going to say Mike's my friend because he's, you know, he's not, right? No, we, no, we don't know him like that. But I met, you know, we had an interview with him. He was extremely nice. Wanted to talk to us more, mm-hmm. and 
know? It, it, it just made me feel some type of way, man. It, it really did. It, it wasn't like, fuck Pete Rodriguez, but I felt sad. I'll, I'll admit it. I felt sad. Yeah, no, I completely agree, dude. I, I also felt sad, um, cause that was just a tough, tough fight, man. But I mean, and he, he's good people, and I'm sure he'll, he'll, we'll probably interview him again at some point. Yeah. And this is probably um, the end of his UFC contract, I'm assuming, cause that's four fights. That's four fights, yeah. And, I mean, well, I five. guess they, well, they could, five, right? Cause no, or no, it is four. It is four. It's four. Yeah. I mean, he, he lost to Mickey, beat Punk, beat Barry, lost to Rodriguez. Amen. Which, by the way, it, I mean, technically, I mean, I, I understand he'll, he'll go, it reflects as one, two, and one. But he's, shit. A, he's, uh, he's two and two. He's two and two. And for a guy that, you know, his amateur MMA career was like three and six. Not a bad run in the UFC, honestly. Hey, I mean, hey he man. All his fights in the UFC, man. Hey, he got everything he could out of his current skill set in the UFC. And really, that's all you can really ask of the guy, you know? I respect him, man. I couldn't do what he did. No, I know shit. I couldn't either. Uh, I could try, but it would it be as good as what he's done. I feel you, man. I feel you. But yeah, I mean, but and we got to go ahead and give a shout out to Pete Rodriguez. That was a devastating, brutal knockout. I mean, that knee up the middle as uh, as Mike was kind of dipping down. That was just brutal. Um, so yeah, I mean, he he got he got his second chance, right? We got to give him credit for that because he came in on short notice last time against we said a fucking killer. And, uh, he got to show that, like, hey, man, I'm, I'm more than just that guy who showed up on short notice to fight that good guy. And if you guys give me an opportunity, a proper training camp and time, I can perform. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, dude. Absolutely. And, um, yeah, I mean, for Pete, he's, he's a solid prospect, man. So we'll go ahead and keep an eye on him in the future. But yeah, man, I think it's about time to move on because it's UC 280 fight week. We made it. We somehow made it. Going down on Saturday at the Etihad Arena in Abu Dhabi, UC280, Charles Dubronx Oliveira. The title may be vacant, but the lightweight division has a champion. That's all I'm saying. And he will be taking let's on... Let's go, champ! Let's go, champ! He'll be taking on Islam Makachev, this Russian monster who is riding an insane win streak right now. I think these guys are each riding, what, like 10-plus win streaks? 10-plus win win streaks. And... You know, last time out, he beat uh, Bobby Green by first-round knockout, showing that he does have that finishing ability. And look, man, this is about as good as it gets. Stylistically-wise, there's some hype going in this one because both these guys, they're it's like a competitive rivalry. I don't know if they have, they'll have any beef with each other when the fight's over, but they do not like each other at this point in time. Dude, this main event, this whole card, top to bottom, is great, but preview the main event for me, man. What do you think in this lightweight title fight? I mean, this is... Oh man, it's it's, it's going to be the most exciting main event of the year, I think, man. I think because of everything that's running on it, the legacy, and in a weird way, right? It has to it has to suck for Islam because he's almost carrying still that Habib mantle without being Habib, right? In some people's eyes, and it's kind of like the closest thing we'll get to to Habib still fighting in a way and fighting Oliveira in some capacity, even when it's not, right? It's 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 Islam's legacy, it's Islam's time, it's his thing, right? And for Oliveira, I mean, he's written such an amazing story, man. I mean, this is a shit that's in a movie. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, a lot of people want to see him win this fight. Uh, and it's time, man. Abu Dhabi, not on his land. Can he get it done? Let's see it. There's a lot of questions writing. How's the wrestling going to do? How's the pressure going to do? Is the stand-up still going to be as good as it's been in the other fights? 
Can he perform again? Can he get it done again? Will he be a submission over the Russian fighter, over the Dagestani who came down from the mountains to fight? Where's the boy from the favela going to succeed, man? Man, I, I've been back and forth on this. Just one, Josh. I'm just going to you straight. I'm going to pick Charles Oliveira. I think he's going to do it, man. I think he's going to take that back. I think he's going to get that submission. I think he's going to hurt him on the feet. I think he's going to do let's it go again, champ. baby. Let's, let's go, go champ. champ. Let's go, champ. I know you probably don't feel the same way, but I'm I'm riding with the Brazilian. I'm riding with the favela. Yeah, I don't feel the same way at all. I'm I'm going to show up with the Brazilian flag to your house, Josh. <laughs> I'm not even Brazilian. I know. I, I got know. Brazilian co-workers, though. Oh, that's close enough. Um, look, I love Charles Oliver. Not, not. Uh, I this is zero disrespect from how I'm. I'm gonna go ahead and talk about this, right? The reality is, is that I think this is a horrific matchup for him, uh, and I don't. I don't think he's gonna be able to get it done, man. I really don't think he'll be able to. And I love me some Charles Dubron Oliveira. I could see him winning. That's not to say that he won't win. I just don't think he will. I think style-wise, I think Islam is the the wrong guy for him to fight. This, I think this is, this is a great question I have here. I'm sorry to cut you off there as you're explaining this. Go ahead, but go ahead. You said you said Charles could win this fight. How would Charles win this fight in your eyes if he does win? If he found a way to win, how do you think? The he way win? that he's going to win this fight is in a scramble. I could absolutely see Islam going in for a scramble, trying to take him down, and Charles just somehow gets the back. And he can pull something off. I think that's the way he wins this fight. I nothing on the feet. Nothing on the feet. For all of my criticisms of Islam, he is very, very proficient on the feet. I don't think he'll, I, and he has a good chin too, and he's very defensively competent. And the thing is, is that as much as you know, I saw Javier Mendez talking about this. He's like, you know, you can put whoever you want in there with Islam. He's very, he'll, he'll be fine, you know, because he's so well rounded. I don't think he's nearly as well-rounded as they say. Otherwise, he wouldn't be shooting for his life 30 seconds into every fight. But I do think for that 30 seconds that he'll be on the feet, I think he'll be fine, you know? Um, I just think it's going to be a tough matchup, man. I think I think the biggest issue is that for all – Islam does not make mistakes. He just doesn't. He, and that's kind of, kind of the reason why a lot of people do not want to get title shot because he's – let's be honest, he's a bit of a boring fighter. Um but with that, that's the way to win fights is by being boring. I think he'll stay on top of him. I think he's more than willing to wet blanket Charlie Olives, give him zero room to make anything happen for five rounds. That's why I'm picking him. I think he's willing to make that fight super fucking boring. You know, you know, you know what's crazy? A lot of people bring that up, the fact that they think he might do that. And it's crazy to think that in, in some capacity that could be the biggest mistake ever. Really? What do you mean? Hey man, Charles is dangerous off his back. He's actually a guy who gets submissions off his back. Obviously, we obviously we, we bring it up a lot, right? There's we talk about submissions. He's dangerous off his back. How many guys could do it? I feel like if there's a guy who could do it, it would be Dubronx. Yeah, fair enough. He, I'm not saying he can't pull it off, but I don't think he'll have any room to. I think, it, I think and we'll find out. Like I said, I think a lot of things are going to be, and it, it's always in hindsight, right? We always mention this. It's all going to come down, I think, to that first minute of the round. Mm. That's going to set the tone for the fight. This, I mean, do you, do you really think this goes to the scorecard? I don't think it does. There's no way. I, uh, I could see it going to a scorecard. Really? I, I could, I could see it going to decision. I don't, I don't know if I see it going to decision. If it does, I'd be very, very surprised. I think I could see, uh, you know what? I'll go and put it like this. I think I could see it going to a decision, 
But I think Islam's going to get a very late finish, like four or five in the championship rounds. Do you see any world where Charles can win via a decision? No, I see zero way that he'll ever, he'll be able to win by a decision. Oh, I think no. this is this is this is finisher bust for him. I mean, he's finished a lot of guys. He has everybody except for Tony in his current win streak, I believe. Don't quote that out of context, guys. <laughs> yeah, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, this fight is excellent. But here's the greatest part about UFC 280: we are just getting started, Andrew. We're disagreeing on this main fight. We're probably going to disagree a fair bit throughout this show. And that's perfectly fine, man, because it'd be boring if we always agreed. Sometimes I'm like, you know, Josh, I I don't tell you this, but sometimes I just go against you just because I'm like, fuck, it is boring to agree every show. And I'm like, I want to make it different. I, I, dude, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. So we're going to go. Sometimes I'm like, fuck the record for the year, dude. Let's make it interesting. I agree. So let's go ahead and go one down. One down to the Bantamweight title fight. Al Jermaine Sterling, the funk master. Taking on TJ Dillashaw, a lot of heat going into this one. Aljo, TJ don't, don't like each other. Aljo is riding his improbable championship run, man. Obviously, he, he, he beat Peter Jan back in March 2020 by DQ. Came back the following year, this April. Beat him by decision in a massive upset. And now he's taking on TJ Dillashaw. TJ, kind of a weird title shot without context. Because he, you know, last time... You know, he went in and beat Corey Sandhagen by a very close decision. I think we both said that we disagreed with the decision at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for a fact I did. I mean, I still do. Yeah, I mean, I do too. But anyway, so, and that was last July, dude. It's been a year and a half since that fight. Prior to that, he missed over two and a half years due to USADA. Um, and that was a knockout loss to Cejudo. So very interesting, um, his, his kind of pathway to this title fight. Obviously, he never lost his Bantamweight title. He was stripped, obviously, so... Look, man, very good fight on paper, but I think this one's going to be a lot more lopsided than what people expect. But I'm not going to go ahead and uh, say what I think uh, until you give your preview here. So why don't you go ahead and uh, give me your thoughts on this one? I mean, I, I kind of know what you're thinking, uh, and it makes sense why you're, you feel the way you do. I'm just going to tell you that now. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, we haven't spoken about what you picked, but I have a good idea. I'm not going to say who. Okay. But... uh, uh. Look, I mean, TJ's been gone, you know, for a while now. He came back, had a, a hell of a fight with Corey. I mean, let's say it. It, was, it was fucking great. He got injured from it, had to take some time off, get surgery, I believe. And, uh, look, I mean, there's, I feel like there's still so many unanswered questions in some ways and in some ways not. I mean, how much is there still left in the tank right at, what is he, 36 years old, especially mm-hmm. at this weight class? Obviously, the EPO being a big question. Was TJ using EPO for all those fights? Obviously, Cody accused him yes. a while back from it. Hey, man, we don't know that for a fact. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll play that as advocate here. Okay. And, uh, you know, how much, let's see, is, where, where is that fucking, you know, was that fuel coming from there? Or was it not? And obviously, he's older now, so not everything, you know, obviously, he's not, there's probably not as much as there was there in the past. But we saw there's there's still TJ Dillashaw in there, whether or not, you know, you think that was fueled by something else or by himself. And with a guy like Aljamain, look, right now he's peaking. He's he's at the top of his game. He's doing his right things. He I mean we saw his his control in that last fight and kind of the gameplay. He came in very smart. Five rounds. I mean, TJ has a lot of experience. Um I mean just as much as Aljamain, actually. I mean, they're probably close in fights. I mean Aljamain might actually have more fights than TJ now, right? Mm-hmm. I think so. And uh, he's been in there with some great competition, beat some of the best ever competing in the sport. The thing is, though, I think he's 
you know, he's taken a little step back. He's been gone for a while. Also, he's a great wrestler. I think that teaches Doc to be able to wrestle as well as him. And look, it's not to say the teacher doesn't have some wrestling skills. I just don't think that he'll be able to compete with Aljamain's wrestling, his control, especially in a five-round fight. Being older, Aljamain, I mean, that guy comes in tre- – I mean, we've seen it, Josh. He's in tremendous shape every time. I mean, it's ridiculous oh, yeah. how good he is. I mean, he's a he's a genetic freak, plain and simple. I mean, he's he's a specimen. And on defeat, man, I'll give it slightly to TJ. I think that Aljamain's successful on defeat comes from the fact that people are so worried from the ground that he's able to free his hands. Uh, it's a close fight though. I'm, I'm gonna go Aljamain though. I think he's gonna, I mean, I'm not gonna lie to you. I, I think it's gonna be very, kind of a sad fight for, for TJ. I think it could be very kind of like, oh, damn, that's, that's, this is what we're getting. You know, there, it's, mm. it's not all there like how it used to be. Yeah, and that's kind of the thing, man, is I feel like we're gonna look back on that Corey Sandhagen fight as being kind of the last hurrah for TJ Dillashaw. That's kind of my prediction. I think, a couple of years from now, we're going to look back on them and be like, oh, shit, he poured out everything he had left after the two-year layoff, after probably going off of EPO or whatever banned substances or whatever, um, and just pouring it all out and fighting through the, the injuries and et cetera for that one night, for that one win. Because I'm going to be honest with you, I think Aljamain Sterling is going to put on the performance of the life. I think he's going to fuck up TJ Dillashaw. I really think he is. TJ, obviously, he kind of... It's kind of funny because we really don't think about it, but TJ's original base, he was he was a great wrestler. He was. He was a former, like, I think high school, like, champion wrestler, and he was great in college and so on and so forth. And that was kind of his thing, you know? And now he's kind of transitioned to a striker over time. And I think he kind of rolled back his, his grappling in the fight with Corey Sandhagen where he kind of just held a lot of back control and he tried to use the wrestling and he tried to go back to his roots. I don't think on the feet the gap's going to be that wide between Aljo and TJ Dillashaw because Aljo on the feet is much more competent than people give him credit for. He's very unique. And maybe because he doesn't go out there and get flashy knockouts, people don't really give him as much credit as he deserves, but I think he's very good on the feet. And then on the ground, I think, like, dude, if you're throwing Piotr Jan around early, I think you're going to throw TJ Dillashaw, an older TJ Dillashaw, 36 years old, coming off of knee injuries and so on and so forth. I think they throw him around like a rag doll. So I'm going to go and take Aljo probably by finish, honestly. I, I mean, um, I will I will say this, Josh. I won't be surprised if TJ does something. Like, mm-hmm. I could see TJ winning this fight. And I would be, in some ways, surprised but not surprised either. I know that sounds weird. No, no, no. I know exactly what you mean, dude. I think I mean, that... I mean it's still TJ Dillashaw. TJ Dillashaw is dangerous. No, absolutely. He's very dangerous. But... I just, I got a feeling about this one, man. I got, I got a feeling about this one. Oh, I mean, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty sure Aljamain's gonna win. Don't get me wrong. I'm pretty calm. It's one of the more confidence picks I have on this card. Mm-hmm. And it's crazy because it's a championship fight. I mean, you, those are razor thin. You know what I mean? But yeah. I feel pretty confident about picking Aljamain in this one. Yeah, that's where I'm at. Um, like I said, I, I think this will be a dominant win, but. You know, if if TJ comes out here and makes a couple of things happen, it's not within the realm of possibility that he can't pull off the win. You know what I mean? So some sick, some sick body kicks, man. You never know; they could stack up. Yeah, so I could see some things happening, but at the same time, I am going to go ahead and take Aljo to just go out there and get a huge win, man. So that's the way I see it going down. But I think it's going to be an excellent fight, regardless. Here we go again, moving one down, Angel. This is 
I gotta be honest with you, this is the fight I'm most intrigued with on the entire card. I don't I blame you. I love the main event. I love the Cole main. I love a lot of the fights in the undercard. This fight right here, so interesting for a variety of reasons. Piotr Jan, we were just talking about him, the former champion. His first fight back since losing the title to Aljamain Sterling. He's going to be taking on Sean O'Malley. The number one ranked guy going to be fighting the number 14th ranked guy. So very interesting there. Um, hey, man, no one was available, though. Like, it actually made sense. No, it, no, and I don't have an issue with this fight in, in any real way. Because uh, I think we're going to learn a lot about everyone involved. But... I mean, I feel like we're really going to learn about one person. Let's be honest, Josh. Don't lie to yourself. Really? You well, okay, well, we'll get into it. Um, well, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. I guess you're right. I don't know why I said that. but well, I, more, I can see where you're coming from the other yeah, side. Yeah, okay. We'll regardless. Regardless. Moving on. Um, yeah, man. Sean O'Malley, a guy that last time out, he, he, he finally took a big step up a competition, fought Pedro Munoz, that added an eye poke uh, half of the second round, and not a whole lot happened. Nobody got a whole lot off. I think the judges had that one, like, 1-1 one, one at the time or whatever. Um, or at the very least, it was on its way to being 1-1. One, one. This this fight's very fucking interesting, man. This fight is super interesting, especially considering the fact that it's three rounds. The fact that Sean really doesn't have to go out there and just put a dominant beating on him. He kind of just has to go out there and just find a way to steal two rounds. That's what makes it interesting to me. Um, Which isn't unlikely. No, especially considering that Peter Yon may not throw a punch until, like, two minutes left in the first round. He is a notoriously slow, slow starter, so... But once he starts... You can't you can't stop him. That's the problem. So, um... Yeah, he does a Lomachenko, dude. He downloads. Oh, dude, absolutely. So, yeah, man, I'm very, very excited for this fight. I think it's going to be a great one. What do you think, man? I know that, according to the betting lines right now... Sean O'Malley is a huge underdog, and it's hard to disagree with him, honestly. I mean, given mm-hmm. given the fact that he's never really taken a huge step of a competition. I know we saw him fight Cheeto, but that one ended, you know, he lost by injury, and then the, the Minos fight, it was close, but then it ended by eye poke. What do you think about this fight, man? And especially kind of the, the thought process going into this one where it seems like he's a huge, huge underdog, both by the betting lines and by the way that people are picking this fight and all picking against him. I mean, it makes sense. There's, I don't think anybody should feel ashamed of picking Piotr Yana. And I don't think anybody who is making that pick is ashamed. They are very comfortable with it. Um, but for Sean, man, I mean, the, the hype has been there for the longest time. He talks a big game. Let's see. Is that game real? Is that what you're saying true? You know, he's, he's, and he's, he talks about, he's like, people don't know what I can do on the ground, you know, and stuff like that. I and mean, we never really had to see it. And we were going to probably see it in this fight. What's going to happen? Cause at some point in this fight, I believe that Sean O'Malley will be taken down, and he's going to have to react to that. Or maybe he won't get taken down. Maybe he'll stop the takedown before it comes. Who knows? We'll find out. But the big thing is how are these exchanges going to feed going to go, man? I mean, I'm curious. I mean, we have, obviously, Piotr, who trains at a Tiger Muay Thai. Sean, who has, I mean, we've seen an incredible power in his hand, is able to find the button and put these guys to sleep with that, uh, you know, slow, uh, tall frame of his and long arms and, He's so awkward. There's no one as big as him, probably. I mean, he's probably he's probably even bigger than Corey Sanhagen, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, just to see how uh, Piotr reacts to that, how he deals with that, because he's even longer than Corey and even taller than Corey. He's going to be harder to hit. It's going to be harder to take down. Because uh, I feel like with these uh, tall, skinny guys who kind of give up weight a little bit, they almost give up a bit of strength, too, in some ways. 
uh, in some mm. capacity, I feel. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I'm sure there's some actual like sense to it or tech or some science to it that I don't know. But, uh, and like we're saying for all these guys, and obviously this is just the nature of MMA. I would not be surprised if Sean O'Malley came out here and caught Piotr Young with something crazy and put him to sleep. The only issue is right now, I think the big benefit to Sean is this is three rounds. It's three mm. rounds, and Piotr is, like we said, a slow starter, doesn't start very quick. And I don't know, Josh. I mean, I could also see Piotr coming out. I don't know. Obviously, I wouldn't be surprised, Josh, if he came out angry, emotional, right? Because, you know, Sean's been talking some shit. Yeah. If Conor McGregor catches him on a counter, fights so quick. <laughs> 13 seconds in. You know? Like, I mean, obviously, you know what I mean, though, right? No, no, I know. I'm, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just joshing you. Oh. Oh. I'm just joshing you. But yeah, I mean, there's, there's a lot of factors like that. The thing is, I don't know if that's going to happen. I think Peter's going to come out here. He's going to recognize, hey, this guy's dangerous. This guy's long. I need to play it safe. I have, I'm sure they're going to, his team's going to build an excellent game plan. He's hard to finish, but Dan, he, he has power behind his shots. I think he'll be able to crush that space, get some takedowns, rough it up against the cage, and potentially even get Sean, Sean O'Malley out of there. There's a lot of unanswered questions for Sean. I think this is the, the fight that will show all his skill sets, his ground game, his striking, his IQ, his uh, ability to change on the fly. And he's a great coach. I, I can't remember his, uh, man, is it less, is, I can't think of his last name. For some reason, I, I feel like it's Welch. His coach? Yeah. Tim Welch. Yeah, Tim Welch. I was about to say that. Yeah, Tim Welch is a, who has a great mind for MMA, man. I, I love hearing him talk. I, I think he's a very intelligent guy. Almost, in some ways, not the same. Reminds me of James Krause. I'm not going to compare them because obviously very different people who have very different approaches, but it, I, I I like their minds as far as the way they talk about the sport. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. I think that you really did kind of hit the hit the nail on the head there. I think that we're gonna learn everything about Sean O'Malley's skill set because a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Jan's just gonna murk him. Which it's kind of funny that Jan's having back to back fights where everybody was just like, oh yeah, he's gonna fuck up this guy. It's not even a question. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, right. Like, the betting odds. He's fucking dead. He, oh yeah, like, oh yeah, uh, he's gonna kill Aljo. Like, oh yeah, he's gonna kill Sean O'Malley. The buildup is the exact same way. Um, but I think most people, have, they probably, people are saying that, but I don't think they've really envisioned on how exactly shit's gonna go. You know what I mean? Like, they don't really have a thought. They're just like, oh yeah, you know, Jan's gonna fuck him up instantly. Blah, blah, blah. Like, I think that this fight's gonna be interesting. Here's the way I actually see it going. I think Peter Jan's gonna win. I'm gonna go and take him. I think it's going to be a decision where it's going to be hard fought where Sean O'Malley comes out firing early. And I think we're like, oh, shit, Sean O'Malley is fucking for real. Because here's the thing is that they've been calling for that. People forget, dude, they've called for this fight since 2020, I think. Him and Tim Welch. I can only assume they saw something in Burion. Like they just see his skill set versus what they see in the gym. That leads them to believe like, oh, yeah, this is an easy dub right here. Maybe not easy dub, but they're going to win this fight. And I think Sean O'Malley, he is, you know, it's funny because I heard Chael Sonnen talk about this. And he was like, you know, people all the time talk about reach in MMA. There are very few guys that use their reach and, and uh, they, they fully maximize it. And Sean O'Malley is that guy. Every single time you see him fight, he is a master of reach, a master of distance. He hits you from angles you won't even see coming. He throws so many feints out there from his legs to his hands. He does everything excellently, and I think in round one, Piotr Jan, normally he takes him until, you know, the last two minutes of the round to start firing off. I think probably we see him fire off until, you know, maybe even round two. 
I think Sean O'Malley's going to keep him guessing. I think Sean's going to take it early, but in rounds two and three, Piotr is going to come on. He's going to use the grappling. He's going to use his strength because that motherfucker is strong as hell, man. I mean, that's part of the reason why I was so surprised that Aljo <laughs> outgrappled him for at least a, you know two of the five rounds. That's one strong Russian, dude. That's one strong Russian. So I think he's going to use his grappling. I think most people kind of expect it to take place on the feet a lot of the time. I actually think rounds two and three might take mostly on place on the mat. And I think on the mat, Piotr will use his top position, his his ground and pound. I think Sean will probably reverse him a couple times. He might throw up some sub attempts. He's a really good ground game as well. But I think Piotr Jan is ultimately going to grind out a decision. Are you on the same page? Oh, I'm, I'm on the same page. The one thing that just scared me is that first round and a half, dude, where Sean is going to be the most dangerous. Because I wouldn't be surprised if on a counter, Sean catches it. Mm-hmm. I mean, Sean could, and, and granted, the chin is good. I don't think we've ever seen Piotr been hit clean, like super clean like that, though, in the UFC, though. That's, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, he's always, he's so technically proficient, dude. He really I mean, is. And, it, and, it, and it's that Thai style, too, right? Like being able to, I mean, those guys gotta fucking protect themselves because of how much they fight, you know? Mm-hmm. So it makes sense. But if I really think about it, I can't remember a time where I've been like, damn, Piotr just ate that shot. You know what I mean? Or he got hit hard there. You know, you know I, the, the cleanest shots I can remember him taking were from Aldo, and honestly, most of those were leg kicks. So I think you, you make a good point. You know. Yeah. So, but I don't um, know, man. He could Sean. Like I, I could see Sean in that first round and a half. Like not in the, like in the first, you know, first two rounds. You know, that's what I'm saying. The first, first mm-hmm. round and a half in the beginning of the second round. Do some shit, bro. Where. It's early on, and he catches him. He compromises him. He's hurt. Mm. It's yeah, a scary what, thought. Yeah, and I think it might it might happen, especially in round one. I mean, Sean is a very fast starter. Pewter is the exact opposite. I think a lot of their game plan is, if I were to just guess, I, I don't fucking know him, but if I were to go ahead and guess, their game plan is revolving around starting fast and stealing the first two rounds. Because that's not even improbable either. I mean, I think that it's just... Jan's a very slow starter, and I think everything can line up perfectly for them to go ahead and pull off the win, just that nobody expects. But By the way, I do have a question. Um, who do you think is a interesting matchup for you between Aljamain and, and Sean? Who would you rather see? What do you mean? Like, who do you, if, if, if Sean is to win this fight, yeah. between the two guys who are, who are going to be fighting for the title, who do you think would be who, – who would you like to see him fight between those two? Is there one you prefer over the other, just stylistically? You know, I could honestly – I think if Sean wins against Peter Jan, I think he'd still probably lose to Aljo, but I could see him beating TJ. But in terms of what I would like to see, shit. I think it depends on how Saturday goes. If, if Aljo, if Aljo be- goes out there and wrecks TJ and we see Sean come out here and just – it depends on how the the fight with Jan goes, but I, I mean, think I'd probably, I'd say Aljo. I'd rather see him fight Aljo. I mean, who knows? For all we know, fucking, you know, uh, what's it called? Piotr takes down uh, Sean, and Sean looks like fucking Hoist Gracie on the mat, you know? <laughs> I mean, shit, you know, it might happen. I mean, that's the thing about this fight that's so interesting is literally anything can happen. That's why it's so much fun. So. It, it is kind of scary how there's still some unknowns to Sean, right? Like, I, that, we've talked about it a little bit. There's still some stuff that's like, Dude, how how is he gonna deal with like the wrestling, or how is he gonna look on the ground? How is he gonna deal with the position changes? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That is like a big like. And then what if Sean just answers all the questions? Like that is a scary fucking thought. 
Yeah, and that's that's kind of the thing, right? Is that we know that. Well, look. Here, here's the question. We know that Sean is good, but we don't know how good yet. That's the thing. People are like, oh, you know, he's only fought cans. But I've always said to people, like, Sean is beating guys in the way that you would expect a top five guy to beat guys like Chris Moutinho. Like, he just beat the dog shit out of him. Like, he's not like he's fighting cans and he's going to a decision or whatever. He is murking these guys. So we know that he's that good. We just don't know if he's top five level. If he's... You know, you saying that makes me think of uh, people. I'm sure someone's out there. We're like, we don't iced Chris Moutinho. Why didn't Sean do that? Yeah, <laughs> I feel like I've seen something like that. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I think this fight's so interesting. It's the fight I'm most looking forward to for good reason. I'm just so psyched for this one. But yeah, I mean, if I gun to my head, I have to pick. I'm gonna go Peter Yan, at least for right now. But it is an intelligent yeah. pick. I mean, let's be honest. Like, I think it's a safe and. It's 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 the right choice. Like I'm not yeah. gonna lie to you. Like if you really put all the stars together and align them, and you know put the dots together, do the math, you know t- you know take the number, carry it over, divide it, it makes sense. You know? <laughs> well, and by the way, I mean if if he if Sean O'Malley wins here, it's off to the races. I mean that's just. I mean he's he's next to time for the title, and they're gonna push. He's him. next in line for the title, but also he's gonna become a fucking superstar. Yes, and if he gets that's on that mic awesome. and you know he goes off and. He's, you know, saying, you know, who knows, right? There's a lot. I mean, Sean O'Malley is already a star, but he's not a star in the way that it's translated to pay-per-view, pay-per-view buys. In terms of, like, internet following, it's big. This guy. So, I mean, he he was the first guy, I think, post-Connor era that got success in a different way. Yeah, I think he is kind of the next generation of MMA superstars, where it's like, he may not increase at all in the buy rate, because he's kind of more popular with, like, the teenage demographic, and people that won't buy pay-per-views. But we'll see how much that translates to, to pay-per-view market over time, you know, um, which will be fun to see. But it all depends on how Saturday goes, and uh, I'm very excited for that fight. Moving one down, the lightweights, Benny Dariush, the uh, the overlooked man at 155 pounds, riding a great win streak, dude. I mean, last time out he beat Tony Ferguson, and he's also beat Carlos Diego Fajera. Scott Holtzman, Jakar Close, Frank Camacho, Drew Dober, Thiago Moises. And we forget it because he's only 33, but he's been around in this division as a contender for nearly a decade. So, yeah, man. I mean, Benny Darius, best win streak of his career. Taking on Mateus Gamrot, who is only, you know, five fights in the UFC, into his UFC stint. It feels like he's been around for a lot longer because, you know, he was such a big name in KSW. Last time out, he beat Armand Sarukian by decision. Oh, that was a horrific decision in June, but it was a close competitive fight. That was a fight of the night. Uh, you know, winner here might be fighting for a title shot. There's so many unknowns in this division right now. I mean, shit, there's technically not a champion. We know who the champion is, but there's technically not a champion. So what do you think about this fight, and what do you think could be next for the winner? Oh, man, I mean, next in line after Alexander Volkanovsky, after the news we got uh, for a title shot, probably. I mean, I, I imagine, and I, I hope they don't make this person fight someone else mm-hmm. which i mean they could they make, could make him fight like chandler or gaichi or something like that knowing the ufc but it's not the right thing to do as far as a matchup man i mean great matchup i mean Vanille darius has been putting it together now for a little while great performances lots of fun i mean i put up the highlight that i've been saving for a while i mean it's benny time baby gamrot <laughs> i mean former two two division champ in ksw big time out there been knowing about him kind of for a little bit now, made it to the UFC, and he's put on some stellar performances. Obviously, first time out, 
fell short, but after that, it's been nothing less of just win after win. And I mean, he had a, a, a and look, I thought, sorry, you're going to win. I'm on the same page as you, but I'll say this. It was as close as a fight as you could get. Yeah. You know, let's be honest. And I mean, his relentless attempt at trying to take down Saryukin and, you know, getting them is to be, uh, you know, you gotta, you gotta give him credit. I think it was like 20 attempted takedowns or 16 attempted takedowns. It was something crazy. I mean, his effort and, and he ate some shots, man. And, and just like Benilde Ayush, I mean, he's one of those guys too who at times has been relentless with the takedown, ate some shots, dropped off some massive shots too. I mean, both these guys have been in bangers and wars, taking damage, but they've, they, They've eaten them and kept going, man. And uh, I mean, Gamrot's never been finished. Uh, I believe Benil has a few times, right? I could be wrong there. Mm-hmm. Has yeah. a few, he has a few in there. But but against great guys, I mean, great opponents. I mean, he lost to Kiesa, which credit. I mean, you got to give credit to Kiesa. I mean, that was back at 155. Now he's a 170 year. And I mean, we see the success he's had, and you know, and he was a shell of what he could be at 155. Gave the performance he could against Benio Daryush and look at where Benio Daryush is at now. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, this, this is, this is a, a, a tight matchup, man. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I think this is going to be the 50, 50, as 50 as 50 as you can get, man. I think both these guys present a great skill set, have, uh, encountered themselves there. I'm curious to see how the wrestling is, man. I mean, I'm curious to see if Gamrock can actually take down Benio Daryush. I mean, we've seen Benio Daryush's, uh, wrestling skill set. It is there. It's very apparent. But Cameron's a dog, man. He'll go after you. He'll fight for it. He'll get it. He'll attempt one, two, three, four, five. It doesn't matter until he gets you down. And, uh, and he could be a wild man on the feet. Just like Darius. Darius could be pretty wild himself. It's, uh, it's close, man. I'm, I'm gonna have to go Gamera. I think it's his time. I think the two, the former two weight division champ and KSW is here for a reason. He, he had that one little hiccup. He had a close fight, but I don't think he's gonna allow that to happen against Vanilla Darius. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see. I I agree, honestly. I think Benny Benny Daryush, he's on a great win streak. I, I honestly, he's kind of been the comeback fighter for a while now. I mean, he had that rough stretch in 2017, 2018, where he just couldn't get over the hump, and now he's been able to do that. But at the same time, I think it's unfortunate because he's coming up and he's having this comeback right at the same time that you have all these fucking monsters coming <laughs> up. At 155, and we got Gomrot, obviously we got Saryuki, and we got a couple of other ones that are just on the rise, and I think this old guard is going to be wiped out in brutal fashion. And I think that starts here, and I think Gomrot's going to win in just devastating fashion. That's what I predict. I think the fact that Benil also, the fact that he's taking some time off because he's had had a couple of injuries, that does not help things. He's getting up there in age. He got a kid now. Yeah, I mean, he's 33, going to be 34 soon. So I'm going to go ahead and take Gamrod to get the win. Um, next up on the card, opening up the card, actually. A bit of a weird placement, but whatever. Uh, Caitlin, Caitlin Shukagian, we just talked about her because she's had, she's supposed to fight Manny Faroe in France, and then she got replaced by Andrade, and now Shukagian's back, and they're, she's fighting Faroe again. Uh, Four-fight winning streak for her, most underrated women woman in the UFC straight up, uh, Caitlin Shukagian is. Taking on Manon Faroe. The beast out of France, uh, honestly, dude, just solid win streak for her. Nine wins in a row, three, excuse me, four of those in the UFC, two coming by the way of finish. She looks to be the real deal at 125. And given Alexa Grasso saying, hey, I don't want a title shot, winner here may fight for gold next. So what do you think about this one? I mean, 
fucking banger, dude. Honestly, Manny Ferro is nothing short of exciting, dude, in this division. I mean, her stand-up game. I mean, it's 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 incredible. I mean, she could put on some crazy combinations very quick, and she deals some fucking damage. <laughs> that lady can fucking hurt, dude. Yeah, uh, it is insane, and I mean, it's. It's not even just her punches, it's her kicks, it's everything. I think she's going to give Kayla Shagigan a lot of trouble. And uh, last time out, man, I guess she for Maya. She engaged her on the ground. I mean, she sold another layer to her game. Obviously, I'm sure that's not going to be her game plan. She's not going to be coming out here trying to take down Kayla Shugagan and submitting her. But who fucking knows, man? Maybe she'll give her a different look in that capacity. I mean, the only time she's ever lost was to Liam McCourt, who's bigger, and it was at a catch weight. Liam McCourt, obviously a strong ground fighter, man for you know, on her feet, I'm assuming, you know, and I think it was like a split decision too, and Leah was significantly bigger than her. I mean, there was a lot that they went to that loss, and uh since it, for all man, putting it together, uh she's a she's a stud. I mean, I think she's going to come out here and have a stellar performance against Kayla Shugagan. I mean, and, and that's no disgrace to Kayla Shugagan. I remember someone who recently talked about this fight. They're like, if you think about it, I forgot how they worded it, but it's like, they essentially try to say, like, uh, you know, if you're looking at it at paper in certain in this certain way, you really should be ca- picking Kayla Shukagan. But in reality, they're like, it really is Man of time. <laughs> I don't know. They, it's, I'm probably not wording it as good as they were, but they, they, no, really, I see they constructed it in a very good way. No, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I honestly like Kayla Shukagan a lot. I especially like the fact that despite the fact that she gets zero buzz and she gets really nothing out of it, she just steps up and is like, all right, USC wants to promote this contender. All right, I'm going to fuck her up. Like, she just she just does it. I mean, her last couple of opponents could have gotten a title shot or they were on the verge and then they ran into Kate Mishukagian and she just beat him up. Um, and that's probably what they're going for here. I'm going to go ahead and take Mana Farrell, though. I think that at one women's 125, she has the punching power. She is ferocious. Her pressure is incredible. But I could see Caitlin Shukagan pulling this one out. I think that she is – she has the advantage of height and reach in a division where it's mattered a lot. But Mana Farrell kind of bridges that gap a lot. She's 5'7". She's only going to be shorter by a couple of inches. Um, Shukagan will have, like – I can't find her reach. Yeah, she'll have the reach advantage as well, but I do think Mana is just a better fighter, so I'm going to go and take her to win. But look, dude, that's just the main card. We really just need to go one down. Because um, Bilal Muhammad and Sean Brady are not on the main card, which is a very interesting decision, one I disagree with, but it is an interesting decision. They're going to be headlining the prelims, whatever that means. Uh, Bilal Muhammad obviously riding on incredible win streaks. Same thing for Sean Brady. You wouldn't have to get picked for this one, but what do you think about this matchup, especially its placement? I mean, fucking banger, man. I mean, Sean Brady, another – I mean, my favorite tattoos in the UFC. I'll say it every time, man. Some of the favorite tattoos I've seen on, on an individual. And below Muhammad, man, I mean, since I started watching this sport, I've known of this band. Mm. Like I said, I will never forget it, man. It's his fight against uh, – it's skipping me right now – against Alan Jabon. Obviously, he lost way back when, but I remember seeing him – Almost prelims. It was a, it was like a fight night. I, I think it was like RDA or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head. And, and that was his debut. I remember seeing his debut, losing. And that was back in 2016. It's 2022. I'm 21 now and he's still fighting and he's fighting. He's, he's on a win streak. He's finding a lot of success. I mean, very exciting for him. 
And Sean Brady, man, I mean, this guy, he just appeared in 2019, and it's been nothing short of excitement and excellence out of him. And uh, even outside of I mean, he's done some grappling stuff and big success. I mean, he beat uh, Craig Jones, who is a big-time jiu-jitsu player, for people who don't know, and got a decision over him in this in a, in a in this little tournament format they had, or not tournament format, but this grappling one-off format that they had. And uh, for Sean, man, I think the big thing we want to see here is uh, how's the cardio going to hold up, you know, this time around? Because uh, uh, we, we kind of saw him fading a little bit last time out against uh, Michael Chiesa, but it was a banger of a match, man, a really good matchmaking there. And I think, again, here, let's see. Does this the wrestling, you know, cancel each other out? Is there going to be a lot of striking? Who's going to find a lot of success? Does Sean Brady's 15-0 go, or does he go to 16-0 and and go on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, and it's it's such a good matchup, um, especially like you mentioned on the map. Both these guys are just savages. I'm happy I don't have to give a pick for this one because this one is oh, dude, I close. I think this is probably one of the hardest fights to predict on this card. Dude, I I completely agree. I think this is it's right fucking there, dude. I mean, it's right there in terms of like the competitiveness for both these guys. They're right on the verge of either fighting for a title or at the very least just breaking through. Because I feel like both these guys are kind of ranked near the top of 170 but don't ever get the acknowledgement. So they're both right there to breaking through, to being acknowledged, to being, you know, a, a either a champion or a title, uh, title, cha- title challenger. Excuse me. So, yeah, um, very exciting things on the prelims. As far as the rest of the prelims go, there's a couple of other good matchups. Which, which ones are you most looking forward to? Oh man, I, I, I gotta bring up every time, man. My favorite prospect in all MMA could be the youngest UFC champ at some point. Muhammad Mokayev, man, 7-0, taking on Malcolm Gordon. I mean, each performance has been what it should be out of a guy who at some point could be championship caliber. Came in strong against Cody Durden back, uh, UFC London, I believe, or it might have not been UFC London. I could be wrong there. And then another great performance against Charles Johnson. And then they gave him Malcolm Gordon. It looks like he's getting close to getting a potential ranked fight. He's 22 years young. I mean, I, I, I you know, I hope, and he's planning to, put, he's saying that if he, he wants to fight again this year, it's four fights this year. It could even be five, or no, it's three fights this year. My bad. And it could potentially be four because he said he was trying to get one in for December when he wins this one. Uh, he is just amazing. I mean, you watch mm-hmm. him fight. He, he is, He's 22 years old. He doesn't seem like a 22-year-old fighter. Mm. No, man. He has the poise of a fucking veteran. And that's the thing that's so impressive about him. Is you see a lot of prospects come up, and they and it makes sense. They'll make mistakes. They'll lose positions. Just, just little things that'll go ahead and impact them over time. Muhammad Makayev, and you saw in his last fight where some people were disappointed against Charles Johnson, where it was not the most entertaining fight. But you know what, dude? I, I was even more impressed coming out of that fight than I was going into it. Because Charles Johnson is A, legit, and B, he didn't let himself get pulled into a firefight like so many guys do when they're young. He did the same thing. He played it well. And he got the win, you know? And this fight against Malcolm Gordon is going to be, I honestly expect him to open up a lot more. I like Malcolm Gordon a lot, but his UFC run, he's essentially killer be killed. And I don't think it's going to go well for him. I don't think he's going to be doing any killing on Saturday. So, yeah, man, I think that's an excellent fight, though, and Muhammad Makayev is kind of the future of the flyweight division, kind of just the future of MMA in general. He's one of those guys that's being brought up, and it's just working hard and 
showing that he has athleticism. He's trained for a long time, and he's just the next generation. But, yeah, man, I'm super psyched for his return. Um, as far as the rest of the prelims go, Nikita Krylov versus Vulcan Uzdemir. That should be a banger of a fight. I'm very excited for that one. Both guys trying to stay in title contention up at the top of the division. Um, Uncle Barton Magomedov is returning. Zubaira Tukulov taking on Lucas Almeida. Um, Zubaira is a guy that at one point I had really high hopes for. Uh, in the end, it just turns out his biggest win is probably punching Conor McGregor UC 229. So, yeah, we'll see what happens with him next. Uh, any other fights you want to talk about on the prelims? Uh, let me see if there's one anymore. You, uh, did we talk about Wolk and Nikita? Did you highlight yeah. that? Yeah. Uh, Mahmoud Murata versus Calvarela, dude. Uh, Mahmoud, his win streak got ended by Gerald Mershart, man. I mean, I remember being on this hype train hard, man. I thought he was going to be Gerald Mershart. And then he comes out and gets submitted by Gerald Mershart. I'll never forget that. That was back at, uh, uh, last year. And I remember watching that and being in shock. I mean, I mean, I was obviously credited Gerald Mershart for getting that. Uh, that was on the Ultimate Fighter finale last year. And I was in complete utter shock because, I mean, this guy came in, won his three fights, gave a hell of a fit, had that crazy finish against Andrew Sanchez at the start of that year on that Cutter McGregor, uh, Poirier card too. And, uh, I mean, they have not given him a lesser point. Uh, uh, Chow, I don't know if it's Cal or Chow Barrello came, uh, he fought a guy who was actually on the other card is Armin Petros and they fought him the right way, uh, and he had a heck of a performance against him. I think he, uh, I think he was trading with, uh, I think Pahea. There was some footage. I mean, the guy's a specimen. He's, he's good. He has a good ground game, strong, strong stand up. I mean, he's, uh, and I saw him in the contender series. I was already a fan for the moment. I, uh, you know, I saw that fight, uh, back in, uh, 2021 against Aaron Jeffrey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, man. I feel bad for not highlighting him, but yeah, man, Mahmoud Muradov. God, Josh, you're such an I know, I know. Mahmoud Muradov is excellent, though, and losing to Gerald Murchard is no uh, no shame in that. I I just saw something very sad. I completely forgot Shamil House and I made it were on this card at one point, and they're not. Yeah. That is so sad. But that that matchup's cursed, so I hope they don't book it again. But, you know, regardless, this is still an excellent card. Very excited for this on Saturday, and uh, I think it's about time we go ahead and move on you know what's scary? Yeah, <laughs> they haven't weighed in yet. We're doing this on Tuesday, and a lot can still go down, man. Correct, a lot can. And, and they're uh, in Abu Dhabi, too, so. I think it'll be all right, though. I really do think it'll be all right. I actually got a good feeling about this card, you know? For the well, I, mean, part, they're, they're, of, I mean, they're set up greatly. If someone falls out, they could pull someone from another one, another fight. Yeah, and outside of Jailton, I think they haven't really had any big cancellations, uh, with, except for uh, Magomed Mustafa, who still might fight on this card. So, um, you know, we'll see what happens. But, anyways, um, moving on, we're gonna go ahead and recap some boxing that happened last weekend. We can just go ahead and hit these real quick, considering everything pretty much went the the way we expected. Um, but on Fox Sports pay per view last Saturday, a pair of big knockouts: Deontay Wilder knocking out Robert Hellenius. And Caleb Plant knock out Anthony Durrell. Both of these. I mean, we debated if this is worth the pay-per-view. God damn. I think if you spent your money, you got your money's worth on this one. Uh, give me your thoughts on both of those performances last Saturday. I mean, Deontay Wilder, I mean, it made sense, right? But I, you, you were thinking because of the, you know, the connection, former trading partners, things could have gone a, a different way. Maybe Robert Newell from, you know, no, being his training partner and former sparring partner at some point and maybe taking advantage of something that he knew. But man, first round, man, it was, it was kind of what the, we could at, at some point expect from the bronze bomber, man. A 
sick knockout. Devastating, eyes open, flat on his back, terrifying image, man. Turn the TV off, tell the kids to look away. <laughs> Robert Helinas retires afterwards, right, I believe, right? Um, I don't know if that's official. I said that, I'm pretty sure that he, uh, thought, like, let me rephrase. I'm pretty sure he said that he might hang it up and might retire, but we don't know if that's official yet. Regardless, though, I mean, they said it at night. He's back. And back <laughs> he is. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and he sets himself up for a fight with Andy Ruiz now. Yeah. Which should be a banger. Should be a banger. I mean, and look, uh, we didn't get to see a lot, but hey, what else do you want to see out of a guy who's finished pretty much everybody he's ever fought? <laughs> Yeah, for sure, man. And, um, and Deontay Wilder, with him being back in this division, it just makes things more fun. And so I'm very happy they did not retire. And look, dude, if that's it for Robert Linus, he, he maximized his potential, especially near the end of his run. I mean, he, he's a guy that for years we kind of thought, at least when he was coming up, like he had the credentials, but he just did not end up working out. We kind of thought he was a bit of a failed prospect in the heavyweight division. His last three wins, he kind of moved into that you know, world title challenger area. Man, he gave so, us two banger fights with Kawanaki, man. We can't complain. Exactly. He maximized his potential. He cashed out with a huge fight against the former champion who's making his return. So, yeah, man. Super happy to see it. Um, also happening on the same day, both of these fights took place in different countries. Both of these were pretty much what we expected, but Curtis Shields ends up defeating Savannah Marshall by decision. This is a banger. And happening on a different card in Australia... Devin Haney once again dominates George Cambo. So let's go ahead and give me your quick thoughts on both of those. I mean, as far as George and uh, Cambo, uh, Haney and Cambo, is my bad. <laughs> uh, kind of what I expected, man. I didn't think there was much to do unless he came out of here and just went to war. And it was it was just not going to happen, man. It's it, Like I said, it's very sad. One's a good fighter, one's a better boxer. And those are the simple facts. Haney's so young, too. It's it's crazy. I mean, he's like twenty three, twenty four. I mean, he's champ. I mean, the he has the world in the palm of his hand, and he just has to keep rolling with it. And a lot of big matchups to come his way. I mean, this is uh, I mean, first of all, that pressure, man. Twenty three years old, world champion. I mean, mm-hmm. that's a lot to carry, man. And it's only gonna get harder from here because now everybody's gunning for you. Everybody wants you. Everybody's going to judge every performance, every mistake, everything you do in and outside of the boxing ring. And good luck to him, man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure, man. I mean, as far as Chris Shields go, that was a great performance by her. Hell of a fight, one of the greatest women's fights um, in a long time. Yeah, <laughs> I forgot be, to bring I'll, that up, but thank you for recapping it for me. No, you're – I mean, look. I, I got one, like, you get one. It only makes sense, right? Yeah, there we go. I mean, I don't, I don't think it was that surprising personally. Um, I thought it was about what I expected. Savannah Marshall had moments, but overall it was – essentially what we expected. If, if Carissa Shields is going to win, it was going to be this way. She's going to have to walk through some fire. But shit, dude, she had moments where it looked like she was going to get Savannah Marshall out of there, so I don't know. But um, I, need, I need to ask you something before you yeah, kind of ahead. move on from there. People questioned her on her return because she had split time with between MMA and boxing. Yeah. I mean, there were some people who were like, is she really going to come back and be as good as she's really going to succeed? Is she going to be able to, you know... Did any of that ever cross... I, that, none of that really ever went through my mind, which was kind of crazy. Yeah, well, the thing is about Clarissa, she just so she's so much levels higher than everybody else in in around her weight, to where it doesn't really matter that she splits her time in MMA. Um, I mean, we saw it here. I mean, Savannah Marshall was really the only person who might have a chance of beating her, and 
I think I gave her three rounds. You know, him, I thought Savannah Marshall did hurt her a little bit every now and she then. She had moments, but, you know. But she tagged, she tagged her a little bit, and uh, you can tell Clarissa. Clarissa had some beautiful head movement in some moments, though. I mean, she was up against the ropes, and, and mm-hmm. I was like, that's that's uh, you know, Canelo esque in some moments. You know, I'm not going to say the same, but I can see a little bit of inspiration. Yeah, no, I see what you mean. Um, but yeah, man. And, um, yeah, I don't have too many thoughts on Devin Haney, George Cambosis. I went ahead and it's kind of funny because I thought this fight was closer than the first fight, which had much closer, which was much closer on the judging scorecards. Um, I think they gave him three or four rounds, Cambosis, the first time around, which I thought was horrific. I actually thought that Cambosis may have, he may not have won more rounds here, but I thought he did much better work here. Because he was way more aggressive. He was willing to eat shots and move forward to, to get things done, which he had to eat a whole lot of shots. But I thought he had more success uh, throughout this fight. So, um, yeah, man, bit of a kind of kind of weird in that aspect. But, uh, yeah, man, solid win by Devin Haney. We'll see what happens with him next. Obviously, I think most people think it's going to be Lomachenko, but Loma has to get through Drain Ortiz for us. So, no, come happens. on. Come on. I know, I know. Come on, hey, he, kid, Ortiz is a tough kid. Tough kid. No, 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 you're not wrong. You're not wrong, but come on. But anyways, um, yeah, I'm trying to move on some some news. Not a whole lot to talk about here, but uh, just a couple of quick things. Uh, Yuri Prozhaka, we've not seen him since his first fight. We go over to Sharon in June. There's a lot of talk. Will it be uh, on Kalaev? Will it be Jan Wachowicz? It ends up being Glover to share. They're going to run it back. UC 282 in December. Also possibly set for the card. Maybe, maybe not. The return of John Jones. Against Steve Miocic, an interim title fight. Give me your thoughts on first of all them deciding to roll with Glover and the rematch over the other options available, and also the possible return by John Jones. I do not want to talk about this, but you and said we should John put in the rundown because I honestly, I mean, I, I it's news, Josh, and it's a good excuse to put John Jones in the title. Go ahead, go ahead. I mean, I mean, dude, it was a banger of a fight. I mean, it, it makes sense to run it back, and it was close and. I mean, do you feel like there was a clear number one at 205? I mean, I, I, Uncle yeah, I mean, Uncle Live, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. I think for them, the only reason they're doing it is just because that man ain't finishing fights. You know what I mean? And he I, just finished Anthony Smith, though. He did finish Anthony Smith, but via injury. <laughs> yeah, but he still beat the shit out of him. Doesn't matter, Josh. It's, you know, I just. It's still I, the I principle. Think, <laughs> I think Uncle Live just does not get the respect he deserves in the division, but. No, no, no. I mean, he's a good guy. What we said, he's. I mean, he's gonna fight. Not necessarily title. you, just just in general. No, I know you mean. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, he's gonna get a title shot at some point. I mean, that's no doubt. He's gonna fight for a title. That is a fact. Mm-hmm. But nevertheless, I mean, can you really hate on the on the? I mean, it's a good fucking fight, man. And then the way it ended, and Glover was about to win. I mean, it, it 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 it's. I don't really think it's a bad choice. You know what I mean? No, I don't think it is. But I just think it kind of like. I, I just dislike the constant the constant rematches the UFC have been doing. Like the and, and, and I mean, it's not about the yeah. I, I know what you mean. And, it, and they and then they wanted to. They were thinking about Blahovich, right? Which was always an option. Yeah. And they and they're letting these two guys fight and making it a clear decision. Yeah. It's all right. Let's get it done. You know, the best fight, the best, and that's how it is. And I mean, I mean, it's a banger, Josh. Just keep it simple. It's a banger of fight. We're cool. We'll, we'll enjoy it. We'll love it. All right. So, yeah, no, I know. But let's go and the ahead and champ, move on. And the champ, and the champ wasn't satisfied either, Josh. And he called for it. That's true. That's true. But let's go ahead and move on to John Jones because he's also been linked to this event. So, what do you think about that? 
Oh, man. Uh, well, you know, we were hearing rumblings, right? And we've been hearing it for a while, right? We keep hearing December. We've been hearing this for a while. Seems like they're getting really into talks to it. The only issue is, uh, Nganu hurt, also contract. Stipe potential. We don't know what's stopping that, but we can only imagine because it's Stipe. And they haven't talked about another He's too busy fighting, fighting fires. Yeah, go ahead. And... Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's busy in the woods putting out, uh, you know, little forest fires, but. Resting <laughs> cast from cheese, yeah. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But, uh, no. Uh, and I'm sure, like, Cyril is kind of an option they have, but they probably don't want to do it because he just fought for an interim title, and they probably want John to fight for the interim title or for the real title. And it's just not working out, and there's some sort of issue. From what I've heard, though, it doesn't seem to be a John Jones issue, though, Josh. I think that's no, that's that's the thing that's interesting, is it's not a John Jones issue. From what we've heard, it's he's been down for a while now, but due to issues of Stipe and Ngannou, they keep on just, you know pushing John's fight back, which I think is, I said it, I mean, I said it in the green room, it's just fucking stupid. I mean, I think, yeah. like, you have an entire division, and you're just clinging to Stipe and Ngannou, both of which have issues. It's like, if John has been ready since July, was apparently the reported thing. John has been ready since July. You're willingly keeping him on the sidelines to create one of two long shot matchups. It's just fucking stupid. Yeah. So considering, people are going to watch, it's John fucking Jones. It's John, it's John Jones heavyweight debut, dude. I understand you don't want to screw this up, but like, people are going to watch regardless. And there's other good fights to make. It's just dumb. I mean, that, that's why I don't want to talk about this, because I just think it's, it's I mean, like I said, the, I think the real big thing is colossally yeah, stupid. Yeah, yeah, no, I know you're getting it. But I think the main thing with them is they really wanted to be for a title or some sort of interim title. And they don't want to put John in the co-main with some other heavyweight. Well, the thing is though, is he's going to main event regardless. And whoever he fights is going to be an interim fight. Well, yeah, that, we've known that for a while. But, but for some reason, yeah. Well, but for some reason, they don't like the options they have, and I, I kind of and I kind of get it. Yeah. They want to make it the biggest thing possible, and they're not for some reason not able to do it. Stipe isn't ready, and and Connor's having you know you know whatever right like. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, Ngannou's got the injury plus the contract stuff, and then Stipe just had, he just doesn't really want to fight anymore. So like, at this point, it's just like harassment, you know what I mean? Because I feel like Stipe has not seemed interested in fighting since he lost to Ngannou. And I wonder, like, hey, I Stipe, wonder if Stipe, Stipe just wants to retire, and he just hasn't done it for some reason. Like, he's just debating on it. That's what it seems like, but I don't know. I don't think Stipe fights again, which is why it's so dumb, because it's like, all right, well, are we going to wait for him to fight Ngannou then? But Ngannou has said, like, hey, if I don't get boxing in my UFC deal, no, I'm not doing it. And UFC has lessons. They won't even let Conor White fight uh, Floyd again. You know, there were talks about that, but they prevented that. If they're not letting Conor McGregor fight, why the fuck would they let Ngannou fight in box? Yep. So it's just dumb. UFC is making some dumb decisions, but a decision I agree with. Um, needs to move on. That's that's segues, boys. Um, the UFC has updated their athlete code of conduct, which they actually don't utilize ever. But they updated it, and they banned fighters from betting on any UFC fights in any capacity. Um, interesting move. I know that the James Krause was very upset, but... He's not on the roster anymore, though. <laughs> he's on the roster, but he's not an active fighter. I'm not sure how that works, but... but there's no way he's going to be prevented from that, though. Yeah, but some fighters are totally going to be upset about this. What do you think about this move? I, mean, I think it's probably the smart thing to do. I mean, I get it. I think it's kind of bullshit, and I feel like you should be able to bet on yourself. I feel like any athlete should be able to bet on themselves. 
That's what I agree with. Yeah. You, because uh, obviously, if you're betting against yourself, we know what you could do. You know, I yeah. feel like any athlete should be able to bet on themselves, and there's nothing wrong with that. If, if well, he'd always bet on himself, you know. Yeah, fucking smart guy, right? Yeah. But you know, if if you know, if I'm fucking world champion, if I'm whoever, right? Why shouldn't I be able to bet on myself, right? Mm-hmm. But fuck it, it is what it is. Sucks for them. Look, who knows? It's probably for the better in some cases. Yeah, true, true. But yeah, I mean, I don't know who else thoughts on this one. I do think it's probably the smart thing to do for the UFC. Um, because at this point, you really don't want like any accusation of fight fixing or anything yeah. Like that. No, that's um, true, but but it's weird because they also have a uh, what's it called a gambling sponsor, and a lot of fighters do the my bookie thing on Instagram too. So yeah, so fighters are apparently they're allowed to promote betting sites; they're just not allowed to bet themselves, which is so, weird. It's strange, but because I'm pretty sure like almost every fighter whose Instagram I've ever been on is on they're some all sort sponsored of by my bookie. Every single one, not even if not even my bookie or something else from their country. Yeah, true. Because I think I was watching, like, Ignacio Bahamoda's Instagram, and he was, like, something that they use in Chile. Yeah, they're all they're all promoting that shit, dude, because betting is huge now. Yep. Uh, but It doesn't matter know, where you are. It's probably the right decision, but I don't like it necessarily. I get for legality reasons why they did it, though. You know, it's a little bit different than boxing, because boxing, there's no any one league, but the UFC is a league. I, I will the say NFL this, and Josh. NBA, you're not allowed to bet on other stuff as well. Uh-huh. I will say this, Josh. There had to have been a reason they decided to do this. I bet it was James Krause, who had not retired at that point, and he was cornering somebody. Um, and I think he even bet on that fight. And this was recent, and he talked about it. He, oh, yeah, because he talked about it dur- in his retirement on Ariel's show when he announced it. He talked about how he was getting into betting and how uh, he recently you know, bet on one of his guys fights who he was training in the corner of, and I bet the UC just like, oh, that's a bit too much complications for, you know, dad. I don't know. That's I mean, what I assume. I don't know. It's sure. weird. I mean, he's not on the roster anymore, or he's not on the active roster anymore. He was at the time, though, when he did that. Oh, yeah. Well, that's a little different. Yeah, he was on the roster at the time, and then he talked about that story whenever he made his retirement announcement on Ariel's show. So, you know, I I get it. I get it. But anyway. Uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to it, right? I mean, I I feel some type of way about it. I'll just keep it simple. I know you're not you're not a fan. No, but I get it. I get it. But anyways, moving on. Um, UC and Dana White making a lot of moves specifically. Most of this thing is actually and actually I guess technically all this is based on moves that they're making. Um, next one up, slap fighting. Dana White is starting a slap fighting promotion along with Lorenzo Petita. They're gonna hold events at UC Apex. This actually got some details right now. Um. It's Dana White's Power Slap League. They're targeting their first event in November or December at the UC Apex. Broadcast details have not been revealed, but they are targeting a major network. Angel, I will propose this question to you. Do you care? Not a lot, but maybe I'll check it out. Yeah, that's where I'm at. I kind of care, but not really. I mean, I think this is slap fighting is something that has a very short shelf life. I know that we've seen a couple of leagues uh, that have been like they'll they'll go viral every once in a while on you know Instagram or they'll go on ESPN or whatever and they'll show like a clip of it. But I think that there's such a short shelf life for this sort of thing. So I mean we'll see what happens. I mean it, weird things have happened for something to like remain in the 
the public conscious, but I don't think this is going to be a big deal. I don't think it'll last long. Um, but, you know, Dana is choosing to put his name behind it, so we'll see. Um, but anyways, man, last piece of the day, and it's the biggest news of the day. And it's not of the day, but on this episode, because uh, this happened like a week ago. Hasbula is officially going to find the UC. Full stop. Wait, we knew the side of Murphy. Is this actually like a full blown fact? Like he's actually gonna fight someone? Yeah, I saw, yeah. Is he fight Abu? We don't know who. We don't know who he's gonna fight. He said that details were revealed by the end of the year. He announces on Instagram, and I didn't believe it. I saw his post, but I didn't believe it until um, the UFC posted on their social medias. They shared his post. So yeah, he's gonna find the UFC. Details are revealed apparently by the end of the year. Um, maybe Abu. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, man, we know for a while now that he had a merch deal and then he had some, uh, the better question to Josh is, does he headline a card? No, but I bet he will be on a pay-per-view. Dude, what the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) What is my life? So you're not hyped for this. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not judging a man who has a condition, right? Is that the proper way to board it? I don't want to get canceled to be prevented from fighting. Is is it dwarfism? Yeah, there's nothing that prevents him from fighting, I believe. It's just he has a uh, he's some sort of condition that makes him what is he, three foot six? Three foot seven? He, he's a very uh small man. He's he's in the three foot. I know he's not four foot yet, but he's he's somewhere around there, you know? There's nothing mm-hmm. that prevents him from fighting. I, I mean Hey man, every everybody should fight. compete, right? Everybody should compete. Ain't nothing wrong with it, right? Yeah, I mean look, man, I don't I don't necess- I think the hospital thing's not very funny anymore. I mean Kind of, it's 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 not very funny to me anymore. I, if people like it, that's fine. But, um, hey man, I'm sure when they announce this appointment, whoever just, which I hope it's Abu, because I mean they've been hyping it. Oh my it. god, right? It's been going on forever. I mean, it has to be Abu, and I hope it's in Abu Dhabi too. Like, you just got to do it. That's where I bet it's gonna happen is in Abu Dhabi. It's the UFC they sell sanction over there. I got, I, I think they technically get somebody to. It's like how whenever Bellator goes overseas, they have the Mohegan Sun Arena do stuff, or not the Mohegan Sun Arena, the um. Mohegan Athletic Commission do it. Um, I bet the, I don't know what the UC does, but I know they have somebody regulate it, so it's technically regulated, but it's not really regulated. They have somebody oversee it. That's what's going to happen here, I bet. He's going to find Abu Dhabi. He's going to fight somebody around of his comparable size. Probably maybe Abdu, I think that makes the most sense, but who knows, man. I mean, honestly, as far as I'm concerned, some people are shitting on this. This kid is – there is such a short shelf life for this sort of thing. People don't really care about this sort of thing often, internet memes or whatever, and, and people like this. They'll get tired of it. For him, get your fucking bag, my man. Go out there, get paid. You know, you might have, you'll take some punches in the process, but I'm sure it'll be fine. Go out there well, and get fucking paid. It's not even just that, man. I mean, think about the kind of things that he was told in his life that he was going to live and how he was going to live them, right? And he was never going to do certain things. He was never going to succeed at things, you know what I mean? And certain Because of how he how he was born and he's going to live a very fun lifestyle meet some really fucking cool people and might get to promote and might to get to compete at one of the biggest promotions in the biggest mma promotion in the whole world mm-hmm. so i mean i feel like some people need to look at it from that you know from that point of view I mean, they won't i will and i gotta respect that mm. yeah i mean I mean, the, the the way I look at it, like I, like I said, is I'm just I'm happy for the kid. Honestly, a lot of people are like making memes out of it. And I get it, but I, I'm happy for the kid. The, I mean, with his condition, that's probably he never thought anything like this would be possible, let alone be like a 
uh, an internet celebrity or anything like that. I, I'm glad he's getting paid, and I hope whoever fights makes a lot of money as well. And generally speaking, I'm down with these weird matchups anyway. Like, I've never been opposed to them, so, you know, whatever. Surprise shit, isn't it? It is kind of surprise shit. Let's hope he doesn't have fight Conor McGregor, and then they go full fight, you know? Oh, man. By the way, completely off topic, I just saw the Creed 3 trailer got officially released, and I've been waiting for it. Oh, sweet, dude. Yeah, I heard about that. They also released a poster, I think. They did, and I, I love it. <laughs> but anyways, man, as far as, a, as far as show goes, that's all I got. Anything else we talk about before we close out? I mean, we just announced the Creed 3 trailer just came out for everybody, so you guys are welcome. Yeah, you guys are welcome. If you haven't seen Creed 3, they're not sponsored by us, so don't go watch it. But if, uh, if they do, you know. Man, Josh, you just, okay. I'll take free movie tickets, anything. I'll I'll, I'll do anything. Honestly. They really don't got to give us a lot to make us happy. Just they really free. don't. But um, <laughs> anyways, hope you guys enjoyed the show. I'm at Josh Sheminoff on Twitter. He's at underscore one at Courtside Sound for all things related to the show. RogueEnergy.com, code sound off for 10% off. Hope you guys enjoyed. Peace and bug grease. Mouse click.